Thank you so much for joining us on this special Christmas Eve. Uh, if this is your first time to Village, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Renji, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, the Advent and Christmas season is all about people coming home, right? We, it's, it's about being with f- friends and family, and I'm looking at uh, this, uh, the people here, and I'm seeing some faces that I haven't seen in a long time, and so we're glad that you're here with us. Uh, the Advent season also forces us, it calls us, it invites us to slow down. It invites us to, to look inwardly. It invites us to, to remember the story and the promises of the scriptures. And it, it invites us to look at the world the way it is, the way it is. And when we do that, what we recognize is that the world is not the way it ought to be. We, we're faced with oppression and darkness and it creates in us a longing for something. Uh, Throughout the ages, philosophers and thinkers from all over the world, whether it be ancient Rome or China or India or even the Middle East, they, they might live in different ways and have different cultures. But if you peel back the differences, all these philosophers and thinkers are going and trying to address something that is common to humanity. What they are all saying is you can't understand the human condition without talking about a deep sense of alienation. That when we look at the world that we live in, we feel a sense of estrangement. That deep down inside of us, we know we're living in a place that doesn't feel like home. A place that doesn't sustain our deepest longings, our deepest deepest needs. And this might be true in, in our own lives as we look at our own worlds and our own environments. But but listen to what the theologian and writer says, C.S. Lewis. Though being hungry does not prove that I will get food, surely being hungry proves that there is such a thing as food. You say that the material universe is ugly, unjust, you don't like it? If you are just a product of a material universe, why don't you feel at home in it? Consider what he is saying. When we look at the world around us and we know things are a little bit off, it's it's not how it ought to be. This feeling of estrangement, uh, of alienation, actually proves that there is something more. In fact, it heightens us that we were made for something or someone more. And what every person, every human, you and I in this place, deeply longs for, whether we recognize it or not, is for a home. That realization does not need to overwhelm us. That's why the songs of the season continue to speak about this idea. One of them says, yet in thy dark streets shine it, the everlasting light, the hope and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. It is in the midst of darkness. It's in the midst of when things are not the way they should be. The ideas of hope, of joy, of peace, of love emerge as beacons of light. We might treat them as simple ideas, but when we study them and learn about them, there's a universe underneath them. And as we dig into them, what we will find, there's great power and significance. And when we think about it, When we think of the ideal home, these words should define them. Home should be a place where there is joy and hope, where there is peace and love. Hope, 
the, the flower, the fruit of, of faith. It rises up inside of us from a relentless, almost stubborn trust that even though there's chaos around, light and life will shine. Joy, the energy cell of the soul, the internal organ that has the ability to push back against the pressures around us. Peace, shalom, a universal flourishing where everything in the world is operating the way it ought to. And love, the most powerful force in the universe, the fountainhead from which all of life flows. How do we get these things? How do we allow those ideas not to be just words on a panel, not to be something we just talk about, words that we read in a book, but how do we embrace them? How do we hold them so they actually shape the world and the reality in which we live? enter the Christmas story. The scriptures contain the story of, of a God who pursues humanity, who is chasing after them. God is re- described as a relentless father who is on a mission to bring his children home. And God promises in the Old Testament that he will send someone, a Messiah, a, a king, a Christ, who will come and do that. We heard this from our scripture reading at the beginning of the service from Isaiah. We need this Christ to come and bring us home. And we heard this from Linus a little bit ago, from Luke chapter two. This is what he read from. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Heaven breaks open, the skies split, the glory, the wonder, the beauty of the realm of God is unleashed in this angelic announcement. A joyous announcement for the birth of a king. Not just any king, the promised king. A king who is not for one people, not for one tribe, not for one nation, but the, the king that was for the entire world. As we were singing songs and we're listening to these, these different languages, again, this is the second service this, this evening, but again, inside of me, my heart is leaping for joy and I'm overwhelmed to the point of tears because what this announcement is about is not for just the people in Bethlehem. It is an announcement that is supposed to ring to the outer edges of the world to invite all peoples to worship this king to know this king, a king unlike any other king, for he is God in the flesh. God who spoke the world into being would become like his creation. God whose power has no rival clothes himself in frailty. God whom thousands and millions of angels would worship and adore would be born to a teenage girl in a simple carpenter, in a little insignificant town, resting in a manger. When we read this story, we should ask the question why. 
Why would he do this? Because this is a king who is driven by love. Like a father who has lost his children, he would go to the ends of the earth to search for them and rescue them and bring them home. Do you see what is happening in this story? Jesus, in order to give us a home, had to leave his home. The king of kings leaves his palace and comes to a humble setting. He trades in his kingly robe for a swaddle. He exchanges a throne for a manger. Christ gives up his home and makes his home with us. And notice, who does this announcement go to first? It's the shepherds. Shepherds out in the field. Shepherds doing their job. Shepherds who, by the very nature of what they do, are homeless. They have no home. They move and lead their sheep on the hillsides, and they rest their head under the open skies. The first announcement goes to homeless people. This is beautiful. The very way this act of this announcement happens communicates something. The act ensures that it is for all people. Because the announcement goes first to the people on the edges, on the outer circumference. What that ensures is that everyone else inside will hear this message. It's for all people. And what we discover through the Christmas story is that our home is not a place. It is a relationship. And deep down inside in our hearts and our minds, we know that is true. When I go through painful seasons or, or stressful times, what I long for the most is not a place, but it's the people. What I long for is, is spending time with my wife and my kids and my parents, my family. When we speak of the idea of church and community, it's not a building. It's not a stage. It's not the seats. It's the people. That as I walk into this place, there are people who have seen me and walked with me when I've cried. And they've seen me when I've celebrated. This is home. The people that are walking through the ups and downs of life. And this is especially true when it comes to God. For we were made for God. The alienation and the, the, the philosophers and the thinkers throughout the entire history of humanity have been wrestling with. This idea of alienation is what they're identifying, what they might reali not realize they, they, are, they are mentioning is alienation from God. That we were created for relationship with God. And in the Christmas story, God has come to us to ensure that relationship can happen through Jesus. Christ can become our home. If these words, these ideas of hope, love, joy, and peace define home, then with Christ, hope, joy, peace, and love are available no matter where you are at, no matter what is going on. Christ can be our home. But what the Christmas story also declares is that it requires something of us that it actually takes something of us. Think about how Christ came. He could have come surrounded by the angels and everywhere he goes, the angelic army would, would accompany him. He could have come riding in victory and in power and in might. But how does he come? 
in humility, in gentleness, in tenderness. He came in a way that actually requires us to pause. It requires us to slow down. It requires us to quiet ourselves because he's come as a baby. And how do you approach a baby? In gentleness, in tenderness, in quiet, and with an embrace. He came in such a way that he requires us to embrace him. He came in such a way in which he's slowing us down that we would actually, actually consider what it means to embrace him. And today that embrace looks like surrender and trust. That if we surrender and trust in Jesus and his way, we are able to come home. In a moment, we're gonna light the candles. And I'm gonna invite you now to take your candle out but if you have been worshiping with us throughout the year, what you'll notice is this, this lamp right here is the Christ lamp. It usually hangs right above the piano. It is lit at every service that you come to. Why? Because it is the Christ candle. It's a reminder to us that every time we walk in, we are a people who are not alone, who have not been abandoned, that Christ is with us. But during the Advent season, we lower it as a reminder that in the Advent season, we remember that Christ has come down to reside with us, to give us a home. So when we light our candle, we first recognize whatever we receive, whatever hope, joy, peace, and love, whatever we receive, it first comes from Jesus. As we entered into this place tonight, I'm not sure uh, where you come from. There are many stories, many experiences, both positive, uh, maybe negative. I am not sure. But as you hold this candle, consider what it is that has been going on and lay it before Jesus. If you are here and you're in a place of skepticism where you're trying to wonder who God is, is this story of Christmas something I can actually believe? In this moment, as you hold the candle, Consider the story. Consider who he is. Consider the way he has come. If you haven't had the opportunity in your own life to make a decision to surrender and to trust him, to follow him in his way, then as you hold this candle, there's no better time to make that decision. And I'd encourage you to tell someone you came with or someone here at the church. Or maybe as you sit with this candle and you know this story and you've heard it over and over again, but as you look at your life, what you realize is you're not living with this reality. There's no better time to come home with him, to recommit your life, to live in a new reality. And if you have come in a place where this is true, where this is, where this is something that you've embraced, as you hold this candle, celebrate, relate, and again embrace him anew. But for all of us, let us worship Christ, the newborn King.